Adrian Peterson is taking care of things right now. Down the sideline. If he can get loose, he's gone. Illigway will score. The Wesley Fields. Touchdown. Georgia Southern. All right, we're joined by Jim Johnson of southernpixian.com. Jim does a good job on Southern Pixian covering uh, all, all of college football and mostly college football in the South and has recently released his Sunbelt Conference 1 through 100 rankings, uh, ranking the players and kind of taking a deep dive into the metrics of, of each player and kind of the conference as a whole. So we wanted to get Jim on here today to uh, kind of preview the conference as a whole. I know we spend most of our time uh, obviously focusing on Georgia Southern, but we did want to give you guys kind of an off-season look at, at how the conference has changed and how it's starting to shape up um, heading into fall camp. So, Jim, thanks for joining us. Yeah, Travis, how's it going, man? Uh, it's going well, man. Just kind of searching for things to talk about with, with college football. And as you know, it's like during the summer, it becomes super monotonous. And I'm not one of those guys that's going to like track – uh, 2020 verbal commits uh, every time a kid tweets. So I, I start looking for like stuff to stuff to talk about it and stuff. To, I don't know. It's just to get a little bit of football in uh, while there's not being football actually played. I know you're uh, you're anxious for the season to start too, huh? Yeah, yeah. This time between like I really between like the NFL draft and like media days, I guess is just so brutal. Like I love the NBA and and baseball is fine, but at a certain point, I got, I got to get my football fixed. Yeah, I know you're a big Russ Westbrook guy, so I'm sure you're monitoring uh, the NBA free agency you know. moves along the, those oh, yeah. lines. All right, well, let, yeah, let's jump into some Sunbelt talk then. Um, for, for those who don't know, uh, Sunbelt Media Days will be on, I believe it's July 22nd, uh, and they call it Sunbelt Media Days. It's Sunbelt Media Day because uh, everyone <laughs> goes on the same day. But so – Jim, I'm going to start off with a, a super hard-hitting uh, journalism question, as always. Give me the best team in the Sun Belt Conference in the preseason right now and why. Oh, man. Yeah, I, I, I kind of whittled it down to two, and, and I'll give you – it's so weird. The Sun Belt is so split to me, like very, very clearly divided into five good teams and five not good football teams. And I think you're talking about App State, Georgia Southern, Troy, and then in the West, Arkansas State and, and Louisiana, who you know ended up in uh, representing the West in the conference title game last year. And then everyone else is pretty markedly behind those. And and I guess you could put ULM a little bit closer. Maybe they're kind of the bridge between the top and the bottom. But as you kind of go through that upper echelon of the league, there are little things that I think you can nitpick to knock teams out. So like I would start with Louisiana. Their offense could be really good. Um, I'm a little bit worried about the quarterback, but could be one of the best offensive lines in the entire group of five, if not the nation at large. And the running backs they have are all three of them just sick, but a little bit worried about the defense. So with some of those questions, especially in the secondary, I'm going to probably slide them off. Arkansas State, new, entirely new offensive staff, also have a new defensive coordinator, also replacing Justice Hansen, one of the great quarterbacks in their program history. So I'm probably going to kind of slide them off to the side as well. Troy could have been in this conversation, um, even with some big losses in the offseason, even with some coaching changes, but they just got hammered by the transfer portal. Two of the best players in that program, uh, Tron Folsom and Marcus Jones, two of the best players at their positions in their conference, respectively. 
um, going to Houston and Colorado State. So I'm going to knock them off. And it's really between App State and Georgia Southern. The selling point for App State is last year they were, I think, probably one of the five best G5 schools in the nation at worst and arguably the best, like right up there with UCF, right up there with Fresno State, with Utah State. And Georgia Southern was probably a tier below that. Incredible season for sure, but probably a tier below. And they actually return about the same amount of production. Georgia Southern's 19th in the country with 75% of their total production coming back. App State's 22nd with 74%. So, like, the difference is negligible. Now, Georgia Southern's returning production is a little more balanced. They're kind of, like, in the 30s in both offensive and defensive, whereas App State returns, like, almost everything on offense. And the defense is a little bit more sparse as far as those starters coming back. But there's really not that big of a difference. And you're kind of just picking between do you want an elite offense and a defense that might take a slight step back or a really good offense in Georgia Southern with some questions on the offensive line and a defense that might be the best in the Sun Belt. And I guess you could even look at special teams when you're splitting hairs, but Georgia Southern probably better than App State. App State really good. Uh, the only thing that kept kind of giving me, giving me pause, I guess, because I wanted to go App State. I want to go App State. My gut says App State, but the coaching turnover, right? There's entirely new staff, and Georgia Southern was one of the only elite teams in the Sun Belt to not experience really any personnel attrition on the sidelines. So for that reason, I'll hear a Georgia Southern argument, but for the time being, I'm going to give App State the nod by the slightest of margins. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you, Jim. I think, you know, the way you kind of just broke it down is kind of the way I look at it. If you know, you say all things are even for the first maybe four or five metrics that you would use, offense, defense, special teams, you know, uh, returning talent, so on and so forth. About four or five, you know, metrics down would be for me coaching turnover. People are pointing toward Troy and App State, you know, the question marks with the coaching. For me, it's if you don't have the talent on the field, then I'll, you know, allow, I guess, uh, uh, an argument that the coaching change really is going to matter that much. But when, when App State returns everything that it does, um, and, and even Troy, who's obviously got talent littered on that roster, uh, but, but like when you return all these guys that App State's going to return, it's for me, I don't look too far into the coaching changes. You know, how, how much of an impact do you think generally a coaching change and a kind of a regime change at, at those two schools specifically, App State and Troy, how much of an impact early on do you think that could have on the way the conference shakes out? Yeah, so, I mean, that's like the, the big point, right, is early on, I don't think it, it really will because, like you said, I mean, it's it's the players that win football games. And, and coaching does obviously matter, but really that's going to take more of a shape long term, the impacts of the coaching changes but in year one, and maybe it hurts Troy a little bit more because I think there's a little bit more of a leadership vacuum with some of their lost talent than there is right. at App State. I mean, App State brings back so much on offense. That, that group's not going to miss a beat. And then even defensively, the one thing that Scott Satterfield did really well that's going to benefit uh, Elijah Drinkwitz and his new staff, at least for the first year, maybe the first couple of years, was they rotated pieces defensively, especially in the front seven, not so much with the cornerbacks like, Losing Clifton Duck and Day Hayes, there's only so much you can really do about that. That's that's a little bit cause for concern, but having the two best safeties in the whole league behind whoever the 
new cornerback Sars going to help with that. But up front, I mean, you have a guy like a multiple-time all-conference caliber player in Myquan Stout who's only playing 60, 65, 70% of the snaps. They yeah. just rotate so many bodies along the defensive line and in the linebacking core that that's what allowed them to be so successful year after year since their transition up to the FBS. Yeah, it's incredible, too, the way that Scott Sloan, the defensive coordinator for Georgia Southern, came from App State. As most everyone listening knows, it's incredible to see already kind of how Georgia Southern's defense is, is being built in that, in that mold um, and just how similar they are. I mean, maybe not the personnel. Maybe Georgia Southern's not quite there yet, but the manner in which it's being built is remarkably similar. And, and just one more note on App State. I think a lot of people forget how close they were to knocking off Penn State week one last year. And then uh, I think it was week one last year. Um, yeah. And then, you know, in Statesboro, they lose, but they also lose arguably their best linebacker. They lose their starting quarterback, probably one of the five to 10 best players in the whole league at any position. They lose both of those guys in that game in Statesboro. And again, I, it was such a blowout. I don't know that that would have mattered, but they were really a couple of, you know, bad breaks away from having a, a really remarkable season and potentially an undefeated season. So App State returning all those guys, uh, definitely for me, they're the favorite going in. Uh, Jim, I wanted to ask you uh, one offense and one defense, the best unit uh, in the league on both sides of the ball. So, you know, either the offensive line for Team X or, or the secondary for Team Y. Give me the best unit on both sides of the ball in the league uh, for your money. If I had to go the single best unit on offense, I mean, you could look all over the field and App State's really good, but I don't know that there is one single group better than, you know, honestly, the top two you could even make a case for Louisiana with Billy Napier's running backs and his offensive line. And, and I would put the offensive line even over the running backs. Uh, they return all five of their starters from a year ago up front, including probably the second best center for me, top three at worst, the single best guard and the single best tackle. And if you looked at my top 100 uh, player rankings for the Sun Belt, I had Kevin Dotson and Robert Hunt, the guard and tackle pair that plays right guard and right tackle for the, for, uh, for the Cajuns. I had them two and three, only behind Kendall Bildor. Um, in the entire league. And, and I think you could have made a case for either of them, number one. Like, that's the thing people don't really see when you're doing the top 100 rankings is, yeah, it's fun to do rankings, but really it's, it's more practical, practical to put players into tiers. And so when I'm, like, putting rough drafts together, there was a time, you know, there were probably a couple days where number one player for me was Hunt. And then the number two was Dotson and Bildor was at three or vice versa, where, where Dotson was number one, Hunt was two and Bildor was three. Ultimately, I decided on the Georgia Southern cornerback number one. But outside of those three, I wouldn't have really heard an argument, I don't think, for the best player in the Sun Belt. So they have two of the absolute cream of the crop, like guys that have a real opportunity, I think, to play in the NFL. And then even outside of that, an all-conference caliber center, and two returning, two returning starters on the left side of the offensive line. I, I think that is one of the premier position groups in all of college football. Yeah, I would agree with you. I think, And for those um, curious, you can check out Jim's 
Sunbelt player rankings on southernpigskin.com right now. Uh, Seven App State players, uh, I think, in the top 15. Like you said, Kendall Vildor, number one. And then you got, I think, was it four members of Louisiana's offense in the top 15 rankings, which which speaks to really, you know, what Louisiana has coming back. And Georgia Southern will get – or I'm sorry – in the top 20 for Louisiana, not top yeah, 15. Yeah. Yeah, but, that's right. but uh, so, you know, Georgia Southern will get an early, early look at Louisiana, which, uh, you know, I think is the first real opportunity for Georgia Southern to see what it has. Uh, they'll open at LSU. I don't know if you, you're going to be able to glean much from that. At home against Maine, same thing, except for the opposite way around. I don't know that you're going to learn too yeah. much about your team. Then the next week you're at Minnesota, another power five on the road. Then you'll get Louisiana at home in, in a marquee uh, early season uh, Sunbelt Conference game. Um, so, so you gave us that for the offense, Jim. Who's got the best defensive unit uh, in the Sunbelt and why? Uh, I mean, I, by that same token, if you're looking at my top 100, I think you kind of have to go with Brinson and Vildor, the, the cornerback tandem for Georgia Southern. Uh, I had Vildor as the single best player in the league, and Brinson – uh, joining him there in the top five is the second best cornerback. So you're talking about the num- number one and number two players at a given position. And there were granted a couple of different other schools that could have kind of made a similar claim. Um, you know, Texas State's inside linebackers are fantastic. Obviously, the App State safety is also, in my book, the number one safety and the number two safety, Desmond Franklin and Josh Thomas. Um, and you could maybe look at it uh, you know, ar- along Arkansas State's defensive line. They lose Ronnie Bingham, but the way they pumped out players from Roland Jones to Bingham and William Bradley King seems to be the next in line. You could go somewhere like there, maybe App State's linebacking core. But if you're just talking about the sheer dominance of the top-end talent, I don't know that any group quite stacks up to Brinson and Vildor. And, and I wrote about that um, a couple months ago when I was doing the best duo in the Sun Belt. And, you know, I picked Brinson and Vildor. And it's not only that the two are really awesome in a vacuum, that they're just fantastic individual players. But I think they have complementary skill sets where Vildor is clearly an elite coverage option, one of the best in in the country, regardless of classification, regardless of conference. Um, And Brinson, correspondingly, is great pure cover guy in his own right, but he really emerged as a run stopper last year, one of the leaders in tackles in the entire conference, especially for a cornerback. It's almost strange to see him rack up that many plays. And it wasn't just racking up tackles either. He was getting meaningful tackles. He was getting stops. He was getting he was making plays that constituted wins for the defense and, and knocked opposing offenses uh, off schedule, kept them from moving the chains. So with those two together, it's not just that they're great, it's that they're even better together. They're more than the sum of their parts. So I'll go I'll go build on Brinson. Smart pick for this podcast too, Jim. Way, way to uh, <laughs> way to appeal to the the fan base there. No, uh, no, yeah. Not just pandering though. All right, Georgia Southern fans, we have a new offer for you guys at SavannahNow.com. We want you guys to check it out. It's a newsletter focused on Georgia Southern athletics and Georgia Southern athletics only. This is a free opportunity for you guys to get caught up on all the latest news on the Eagles whether it be on the football field, basketball court, baseball field, or what have you. But go join the mailing list for the newsletter, and this is how you do it. Go to savannahnow.com and look on the right side of the homepage. Click Get Our Newsletters, 
and go from there. The newsletter will have a blog post once a week, as well as other relevant Georgia Southern stories, opportunities to subscribe to the podcast, and other insider notes that you can't find anywhere else. Subscribe today. I mean, I'm with you, though. I think that's one of the – and that kind of leads us into my next question, the best storyline heading into this season. I think for me, it's going to be really interesting to see two guys like Brinson and Vildor, whose accomplishments speak for themselves, talent speaks for, for itself. You know, it's going to be interesting to see them at, at their two spots, at the two corner spots, working with two guys at safety who, no matter who it is for Georgia Southern – they're going to be two new starters at safety. Um, whoever Georgia Southern decides to line up at free and strong safety, the way that those two guys are going to have to work in tandem with Brinson and Vildor is going to be, I think for me, at least early in the season, a, a really crucial part in how the defense is going to stack up uh, total for Georgia Southern. But, you know, that's a, a, little, a little more in depth than I want to get into right now with, with Georgia Southern. <laughs> I do want to talk about some of the storylines in, in the conference as a whole, Jim. You talked about it earlier, kind of the way the conference is separated um, from east to west. I think Louisiana is going to be good and they're, and they're going to be interesting, but most people, uh, myself included, would rank the top three teams in the Sun Belt, uh, in the Sun Belt East, uh, in, in App State, Troy, and, and Georgia Southern. So what, for me at least, what you're going to see is – the teams on the other side kind of, I don't know what the right word is, jockeying for position maybe, but kind of maybe just treading water until uh, a winner is eventually declared because someone has to win the West. Uh, and that's kind of what happened last year after Arkansas State was was the clear preseason favorite um, in the West. For you, Jim, what are some of the kind of storylines or, or key questions that you'll be looking uh, t- to answer this year as far as the Sun Belt goes? Yeah, no, I, I mean, I totally agree with you. I think that's the the three teams in the East are clearly the big three kind of Sun Belt royalty, uh, at least for right now. And Arkansas State's probably pretty close, and and they deserve to be mentioned there because of the pedigree. But losing Justice Hansen definitely takes them down a notch. And and the Louisiana schools, even Louisiana, I mean, going to the conference title last year, I, I don't want to say it was fraudulent, but yeah, they they sort of backed their way into it just by nature of. Um, well, first of all, I don't think they had to play the entire big three from the East, and then it was basically between them and ULM when Arkansas State had a couple of slips up down the stretch. That's right. um, so that's clearly one. And and then another big storyline for me is all the turnover, and we'll see how much of an effect that takes in year one. But the fact that you have basically all of the major schools or all of the major players, at least in recent memory, outside of Louisiana and Georgia Southern, who really, I guess, emerged last year, not so much Georgia Southern, although after the down year, you could say that to some degree, but but all of the major programs, uh, I guess, that you expected to be the big three going into last year, Arkansas State, while they still have their head coach, Blake Anderson, they have two new coordinators and an entirely new offensive staff. Um, uh, uh, Chip Lindsey takes over at Troy, brings in a new staff to take over for Neil Brown and his staff who went to West Virginia. Elijah Drinkwitz, coming from NC State, comes in to App State, taking over uh, for Sat, who's going to Louisville. He brings in Ted Roof, the former Georgia Tech defensive coordinator, to be his D.C., which 
kind of an underwhelming hire, which is a little disappointing given the pedigree that App established for itself on that side of the ball. I'm interested. I'm gonna, you know, I'll give it the benefit of the doubt. Um, and then even in the lower tiers, you have Jamie Chadwell more permanently taking over as Joe Moglia, I guess, steps into kind of an administrative role. And and one that I'm fascinated by because it seems like a sleeping giant forever and ever is Texas State getting Jake Spavital, which I thought was a home run hire. Um, yeah. Turned down an NFL OC gig with the Cardinals to, to keep that job. Uh, I don't know how much that helps in the immediacy, but – I think that's a really interesting thing to watch for the next couple of years. And if, if they can at least show some flashes early on, that's a fun team that has potential on offense and an actually really exciting defensive personnel grouping in the linebacking core and secondary. So all of the coaching turnover is really going to be interesting to me, especially amongst some of the elite teams this year. Yeah, for me, that's one of the things. I mean, Texas State it has always been – kind of that sleeping giant, right? Just based on where, where they're located and kind of the, the, the number of talented high school football players. And, and I, I'd say talented, I'm not talking about the four and five star guys, the number of three stars and two stars that come from just within a driving distance of that campus in San Marcos uh, is remarkable. I think for Texas State, it's probably only a matter of time. And if they do have the right coach in Spavadol, then it's even going to be a quicker amount of time. I think that's probably the one thing that they've been missing is the right coach. And they've had some names there um, and kind of some guys with some pedigree, but it just hasn't seemed to work out. It is notable that Georgia Southern does not play Texas state this year. Texas state is, you know, widely considered the worst team in the league. Uh, Who knows how accurate that will be come seasons in, but that's for me, one of the storylines too, is that the, there are these teams kind of like Coastal Carolina, uh, even South Alabama with some returning, some returning talent. Uh, teams like that, if they can find a way to win three, four, five games within the conference, those wins are going to come at someone else's expense. And so that might end up shaking up the conference. Um, last year, it kind of seemed like outside of the top four teams in the, in the big three in the East and then uh, Arkansas State in the West, it kind of seemed like everything went chalk. And that's how it ended up. So we'll see if there's some more upsets towards the middle and bottom of the Sun Belt this season. Uh, Jim, going into the year, you know, a lot of the talk surrounding the quarterbacks, at least uh, in the Sun Belt, will be around um, App State's Zach Thomas, and understandably so. I mean, what he's done while he's been on the field is has been worthy of all the attention that he's gotten. But for me, I'm looking at Shy Wirtz in comparison to kind of the other quarterbacks. If you put Thomas on a tier by himself and then try to kind of develop a second tier, that's where you get some debate. And I think a lot of it revolves around Shy Wirtz running the option offense. You, you don't have the straight passing stats to, to compare. For you, how does Wirtz stack up uh, amongst the Sunbelt starting quarterbacks, maybe like two through four? Yeah, I think he's comfortably in number two. And, and I would, I'd give Thomas the nod. I think, I think he clearly earned it based on last year. But I, I, for me, I, and I get it, I, you know, I, I love a quarterback that can put up the gaudy stats, and, and that's fantastic. But I'm really more looking for efficiency anyways, and whether that efficiency comes by running the ball, by throwing the ball, or some combination of the two, as long as you accomplish your goals and move the ball and successfully stay out of 
bad, uncomfortable third downs and keep the, keep the chains moving, then, then you're doing your job as a quarterback. And if the yacht's just handing the ball off even, I mean, you're doing it successfully. If you're the leader of an offense, then your goal is to successfully lead an offense. And that means moving the ball and scoring efficiently. If you're doing that, I think you're doing you're doing your job. And so for when you look at what he did last year, not only moving the ball efficiently, but also taking care of the ball and when asked to make plays down the field, be it with his legs or, or with his arm, by and large, doing a good job of it, I think he's comfortably slotted number two, uh, yeah, behind Thomas, but also a pretty decent bit ahead of Caleb Evans, who I thought was going to be awesome last year and kind of took a step back. He was really good. I mean, Evans was unbelievable in 2017, but saw some regression a year ago. We'll see what he does this year. He does return his entire starting offensive line for Louisiana Monroe, but he also lost one of the premier weapons in the entire league with Marcus Green going to the NFL, as well as R.J. Hunter, who transferred to Houston, I want to say. Houston or Texas Tech? I can't remember. Um, But I think that between those three, there is a pretty decent margin between each one, Thomas to Wirtz, and then Wirtz to Evans. And, and I guess Caleb Barker is kind of the wild card. I liked him a lot when he was healthy, but he was only healthy for about half the season for Troy last year. Troy also has a lot of uh, personnel attrition going on in their pass catching group. So we'll see how quickly he can develop chemistry with some of those new guys. But I would go that as the top four if we're projecting Thomas, then Wirtz, then Evans, and then Caleb Barker at four, and 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 not that much debate to me between any of the rankings. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more, Jim. But the thing that's fascinated me since I've started covering this team at Georgia Southern is that the people around the conference, I guess, and and really around the country, it doesn't seem like they have a full appreciation for what Wirtz was able to do last season. Year one of a new head coach, year one of a new offensive coordinator, uh, his second in as many years. Uh, You had really a season in 2017 that was as bad as it's ever been at Georgia Southern. And Mm -hmm. Wirtz still somehow last season, you know, attempted 116 passes uh, without uh, an interception, uh, completed 69 of them, nice 987 yards, 10 touchdowns. I mean, the 60% uh, completion percentage. If, if you're throwing 10 touchdowns out of an option offense, you're doing something right, man. And for what Wirtz was able to do on the ground last year, uh, that was remarkable for me. For what he was able to do through the air was transcendent because, I mean, it, it changed the entire outlook of what Georgia Southern was and wasn't able to do uh, on offense I think for me going into this year, Shy Wirtz might be the most important player in the conference as far as if he ha- does really well, the team will do really well. If he does really poorly, the team is going to do really poorly. Whereas maybe a team like App State, we saw last year, even without Zach Thomas, that they were able to to win a game within the conference and you know go on to win the conference as a whole. I think Wirtz is, is just ultra important this year for Georgia Southern. Kind of on that note, Jim, get, Give me a guy, and you can't say words now because I just set it up for you. <laughs> Give me a guy that that is the most important, and, and I guess I'll even say you can go player, coach, um, or you know, just coordinator, anybody. Who's the most important 
person in the Sun Belt heading into this season as far as the impact that they'll have on their team, good or bad. Okay, all right, that's that's fair. If I can't say where, I mean, it looks to be honest. You if we're truly doing, if we're truly doing a uh, uh, most important, like it, it has to be a quarterback. Uh, right. Just being intellectually honest about it, um, but I, I actually agree with you. I think you make a good point about Zach Thomas because, uh, and as it relates to Wurtz, and I won't say Wurtz, I'll go a different direction. But you know, with Georgia Southern, for example, some of the offensive line attrition, I think that's a really good case. Whereas you look at App State, they bring back basically what's going to be the second best offensive line in the league with four returning starters, a bunch of awesome receivers, including Corey Sutton, who I think is the best in the league, a great running back in Darren Evans. Like they, they'll be okay. They'll, they'll figure it out if Zach Thomas can't go for one reason or another. So I would pick someone in the same vein as Wirtz where he's really going to have to make everything go, um, but for an opposite reason. Where Georgia Southern, I think, does – look, I mean, they lose some skill talent, obviously, but I think you're really excited about the guys they have coming back. Um, ULM, I go the other way, where Georgia Southern has offensive line problems. ULM is going to be fine up front. I think they're going to be quite good, actually. They returned all five starters, and I had all five of them ranked somewhere in my top 100 rankings that, you know, to varying uh, extents of, of, you know, are you know, tiered out differently, but all five of them in the top 100 regardless. And so their problems is more on the boundary and at running back, where they really lost a lot of their production outside of Evans. So kind of similar to how Wirtz is going to be super valuable for Georgia Southern, I think Caleb Evans is going to be basically the alpha and omega for ULM if they're going to do anything at all. And and there's questions about that. I think they can be good. I think they could, similar to Louisiana last year, where they sort of backed their way in just by nature of being in the West, if they can steal some games and take care of their division games, more important than anything else is winning those games in the division and having those tiebreakers because it's going to get ugly. It's going to get messy in the West. But if they can take care of business, it's going to be because of him and the offensive line to a degree. But by and large, it's going to be on him developing chemistry with his new receivers after losing Marcus Green and Hunter and basically carrying that group on his shoulders with what projects to be probably a subpart defense and i'm with you jim so let's let's wrap up here i was gonna ask you to uh to give me a, a preseason title game prediction who's gonna play from both sides and who's gonna win but i think that's too easy now i'm gonna go i'm gonna go off script on you so okay. instead of the preseason title game matchup i want you to give me one team that that, that you would bet uh and for entertainment purposes only that you would bet to win the conference, so the, the conference favorite. I have a feeling I know uh, who that team would be, but but just given the schedules and kind of how everything shakes out and divisions, who is your most likely to win the conference? And then give me a team that that's say maybe outside of the the big four. Give, give me a team maybe that's a dark horse that has the potential uh, to at least reach the title game. So preseason favorite, and then preseason dark horse to win the conference. Yeah, the favorite, I, yeah, I said it at the top, I think the best team in the conference is the favorite in the conference because of the schedule also. Not only do I think App State's the best team in the conference, it is a thin margin from App State to Georgia Southern. However, Georgia Southern gets all the big boys. App State doesn't have to play Arkansas State. So for that reason, it makes the answer pretty easy to me. Um, and if I had to go off script a little bit for for a sleeper, man <laughs> – I want to say Texas State so badly. I don't think they actually have a chance to go conference title this year, not in year one under Spavitol. 
but I think they're going to be a lot better. Their defense is legitimately going to be really, really good. And if the offense even takes like moderate steps forward, which it very well could under this regime, I mean, Bob Stitt has a previous relationship with uh, Jensen, the transfer quarterback they're getting uh, from his time at Montana. Uh, obviously, Spavital worked wonders, uh, admittedly, under Dana Holgerson at West Virginia. I, I, there's just so much potential. So they're so fast in the secondary. They have the best inside linebackers in the league. I love Frankie Griffin coming off the edge. Uh, they, you know, one of the better offensive linemen in the league in Aaron Brewer. Jeremiah Haydell, the wide receiver, I think is going to be a break, breakout star to go along with Hutch White. I, uh, yeah, what a, you know what? I'm going with it. Give me give me Texas State as a as a dark horse and to come out of the West. Who knows? It's going to get crazy in the West anyways. Who knows who's going to win it? Give me Texas State. I'm glad you pulled the trigger on that one. Yeah, and Frankie Griffin, their their linebacker, is probably one of my favorite players in the league. That guy is just balls to the wall for for the entire game, and like he's the kind of guy that the any team, any fan base would like. He would automatically be their favorite guy to watch. I feel like because that guy, like when you can watch a player uh, in Division One football and he, and he stands out uh, on a team that's not good that's how you know you've got a really, really talented football player on your hands. So Frankie Griffin, super good at Texas State. And Georgia Southern fans should know full well how, how dangerous Texas State is because to say that Georgia Southern escaped at Texas State <laughs> last year would be an understatement. I, I rem- remember that game distinctly. I was there covering it, and Texas State in their opening drive had it first and goal from the two uh, with one of the best tight ends in the league. And his name escapes me right now, but uh, uh, yeah, Keenan Brown loved that guy. Yeah, I mean, Keenan Brown was an excellent player. They decided not to use Keenan Brown in the red zone on any of the next four plays, uh, and Georgia oh. Southern stuffed them. Ended up winning uh, thanks to a two-point conversion that was also uh, a horrendous call by Texas State. Easily could have lost that game <laughs> if you're Georgia Southern. So Texas State definitely has plenty coming back. Jim, I, I want to give you a chance to tell everyone how they can follow you uh, on Twitter and kind of how they can keep up with your work and where they can find it. Yeah, man. Appreciate it. Yeah. You can follow me uh, at Jim Johnson SP on Twitter. You can also follow Southern pigskin at Southern pigskin and go check out the site. Like I said, uh, you know, Travis and I referenced it a couple of times. I put out my ranking a couple of weeks ago, I think of the top 100 players in the entire Sunbelt. And then I also have uh, this new advanced metric OAYP, which has been ranking some of the players in each different position groups. You can find all that stuff up there as well. And, of course, uh, all the links on my Twitter page, at Jim Johnson SP. Yeah, for those of you stat nerds like myself, the OAYP is awesome. And, and the work you do over there at Southern Pigskin is awesome, Jim. So we appreciate you joining and coming on to preview the Sun Belt for us. And hopefully we'll have you on again soon. Yeah, thanks, man. I really appreciate it. Adrian Peterson is taking care of things right now. Down the sideline. If he can get loose, he's gone. Illigway will score. The Wesley Fields. Touchdown, Georgia Southern.